and life is boring. So it's interesting that uh, this sort of came to my my brain and heart by God's uh, deliverance, but on Friday evening. Um, and also interesting that Asolia mentioned uh, about Gary slicing and dicing. Um, let me start with a brief story. I, uh, I'm an advocate for doing something right uh, and also not focusing on other things to do. So one time I was uh, trying to cook dinner and cutting, uh, chopping up the meat uh, before I cooked dinner uh, for myself. And I was watching a basketball game. It was a playoff game uh, back in 2003. And next thing you know, uh, the tip of my finger ended up in in the all the excitement. The tip of my finger ended up in the bowl, along with the rest of the uh, chopped up meat. So, so I, what I would advise is to be careful about doing multiple things at once. And so, um, don't worry. There's going to be no like you know don't don't play video games while listening to a sermon announcements. But in terms of this Christian life, uh, I, I find that it's far easier to focus on the one thing that God wants us to do as opposed to trying to do multiple things at once. So, so the, uh, the, thankfully it grew back and I can use my fingers, but it was pretty gross at the time. All right. So we're going to start off the morning. I'll, I'll share my screen and uh, uh, decided to go with more colorful PowerPoint this time. Uh, hopefully everyone can see it. Uh, does a Christian life have to be boring? And uh, Howard, uh, brother Howard nailed it. it uh, I would say an emphatic no. And so let me start off by uh, praying, praying that I get out of the way and let God speak to you guys directly as fourth home. Um, God, thank you for this time. I'm grateful for any opportunity I can get to uh, minister to people that that uh, need it. And so I pray that I would not, in my immense pride and my uh, knowing too much uh, attitude, that I would get out of the way of this sermon and let it, uh, uh, using these food terms, marinate in uh, fourth home's hearts and that they would find something uh, pleasurable about these words that that are provided from you and that they would make uh, something um, really edifying to uh, to people with it. And so we thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. And so I wanted to jump into a couple of things that have been sort of pressing on my my heart and mind. So uh, I've been asking Brother Jimmy about the uh, the church verse for the the year. And so again, I'll just sort of read it. And I'm sure this might be your 14th time or 15th time hearing it. But Ephesians 4.16, uh, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the two examples I had were, because I'm sort of a geek and a dork, um, the the Voltron example where you have, I think, five separate you know humans combining into one stronger machine. And then I think about you know this being a basketball season, how... Uh, many body parts it takes to get someone to jump from the free throw line and dunk the basketball and, uh, and then celebrate afterwards like this young player for the Spurs. And so I, I, I imagine uh, as a optimist the, that your church body is, uh, you know, winding its way through this sort of, I'm hoping, tail end of shelter in place and then moving forward as a church body and uh, caring for one another. And so I, I hope I hope at the very end that this will be something that, that will be helpful to all of uh the young people on the call, um, and also for some of the not so young people on the call as well. Okay. Uh, so two things to understand with sermons. These, these are from my uh, mentor and, and brother and friend, um, Don Denton. Uh, what was God intending to tell the original hearers or the audience of his word? Okay, so what was God trying to tell uh, the people uh, in the churches of Ephesus? And what is the most godly and appropriate way to translate and apply that original message in our current times? So it requires one listening to what God was trying to tell someone else, which kind of sounds like the phone game, right? But then uh, more appropriately or more importantly, applying it to our lives meaningfully, 
given we've been locked in place for 12 months and adjusting uh, very mightily uh, to all the stuff that you guys have been been used to doing in your lives. Okay. Um, so this was a cell phone notification I got last Sunday. So um, this one says your screen time was up 488,200%, which I didn't know was possible uh, for an average of five hours and 25 minutes a day. That was not mine. I don't have a football schedule on my phone. Uh, and so mine actually said my usage was up 37% for an average of 12 hours and 56 minutes. So that's not fun to admit to a church congregation, uh, but it's been meeting after meeting after meeting. And so I think sometime next Sunday or next the following Monday will mark the one year anniversary of shelter in place orders going into place. And so the important thing to think about as a church congregation and each of you individually, how is your health? In other words, on the other end of the Zoom call, how is my health? How is your family's health? How is your church's health? Okay. Um, anyone want to offer a response as to how you guys are doing? Is everyone doing okay? Anyone want to speak up? Okay, that's that's fine. We'll we'll get. There's going to be a little bit more of audience participation later on. So, um, but my hope is that you guys are trying to stay healthy and and to be safe. Okay. Um, and so one thing that I want to remind us, so this was a tweet from Queen of Tacos in Texas. So I've been sort of monitoring uh, for my relatives in Texas that have been struggling with the recent ice and snowstorms. And so this, this young lady says, is there a name for the COVID-related exhaustion naps? Because I feel bad saying I missed a meeting because I was taking a nap, when in reality, it's more like my body powers down in a way that I can't comprehend anything or move. And so if I ask the congregation, how many of us have had these type of naps, I, I hope I'm not the only one. And so at least once once a week, I will wake up and not remember what day of the week it is. And so is that COVID? Is that, you know, exhaustion? Is that old age? I, I have no clue. Uh, but I, I hope that you all are sleeping enough every night to sort of power down your body and power it back up the next day. Um, so I'm going to read the passage, and again, you'll, you'll make sense of this color scheme, and I hope that you will figure it out as we're reading through this. So I, uh, starting from verse 17, so I tell you this, and insisted on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And we really won't cover Gentile, non-Gentile today, uh, but one important thing to remember is that because none of us, I believe, is uh, Jewish or, or from Israel, that we are part of the Gentile group. Uh, as as uh, as Asian Christians. And so they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Uh, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are all full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay. Um, briefly, there was a movie that came out in 1999, which is probably older than many of you. Um, and so one of the, the themes in the movie was that basically anyone could get a makeover and become a beautiful woman or a man. And so uh, they took someone that's already a, uh, a beautiful model in real life and they made her dorky looking and put her all in these thick glasses. And, and of course, later on when they have the reveal moment, of course they reveal that she's beautiful and, and worthy of, uh, which sounds like a, a Disney movie, by the way, but that she's worthy of 
uh, someone's love. So, um, and so the idea is that not that we're going to become a beautiful woman, everyone on the call, unless you're, you know, unless you are a beautiful woman, but in terms of us being like more like Christ that we put on a new self and we look instantly, not only better on the outside, but better, more importantly, on the inside. Okay. Uh, reading on, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. And then further on, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, 28 and 29, this is my most colorful slide. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then last part, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Okay, A lot of stuff to chew on. And so one of the first things I, I imagine you guys are asking is, what's with the colors, Gary? Did you just so suddenly take a, uh, a painting class or something? And I'm saying no. Uh, so what's the traffic? What's with the traffic light colors? And why don't we think about it? Because we're going to go through the, the passage again uh, together as a as a group. But red, think of the color red as parts of the passage that we do inside and outside the church that gets us stopped in our church and personal lives, meaning stopping our progress or stopping and getting stuck. And then yellow. So think about if if you've driven and most of us will treat the yellow light as time to stop, or possibly occasionally. Uh, and hopefully not more than occasionally, but treat the yellow as it's time to go and gun gun it and uh, and pass the intersection. But think of these things as we do inside and outside the church that depending on our attitude towards God could be helpful or harmful. So it could go either way, just like a yellow light. And then green, think of it as the evidence that we are walking with God and acting right by him. So kind of simple color scheme, right? And so I want us to think about this in terms of, again, here's our, here's our second run through the passage. And my, my hope for each and every one of you, um, what I do not want you guys to do inadvertently or intentionally is to start trying to soak in all of these 15 verses and try to be uh, the most perfect Christian human being. Um, but I, what I would suspect is that the Spirit will touch your hearts in probably one of the one or two of these passages and sort of convict us, and, and we will figure that out through the Holy Spirit's help. Uh, but what I'm hoping to do, and, and I like uh, Solia's uh, diagnosis, which we're, we'll be sort of slicing and dicing uh, these passages, but I'm hoping that this will be more helpful for you uh, to make more sense of some of these passages that we'll be studying over and over in our Christian lives. And so uh, in 1718, so if we go with the green being something that we're okay with, and the yellow being something that it could go either way, and the red being uh, something that we'd like to either stop stopping to do or that we'd like to change in our lives. So the life of God is in green. And then if we think about sort of going to the red directly, um, we know what it's like, I imagine, when our hearts are hardened or when our hearts are not in the right place. For some of the adult members of the congregation, what does that look like for you guys when our hearts are not in the right place, if you don't mind sharing? I might call on one or two people. Uh, it's okay. You don't need to. Um, I, I think when we're stubborn, I'm willing to listen and try to pursue things for our own, uh, end goals. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, while it's easy for me to get up, you know, knowing that you guys meet at 11 a.m., which is cool because I can have my cup of coffee before this. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes any service that's before 11, um, I, I'm literally being dragged out of bed by my wife. And and it's just, you know, nine feet to the couch. And I realize like my attitude stinks. Okay, So so what they're talking about here is uh, thank you, Howard. The, the attitude here in terms of the heart not being in the right place, I really do think these two occasions, ignorance of the heart and particularly hardening of it, I want to do it my way. And we all have seen little children, you know, try to have their way. And oftentimes it looks like they get their way for about 18 seconds and then they start just breaking down and crying and uh, bawling tears and, and starting beating things, right? And so this is a real clear example of when we have the life of God, then we are not necessarily being ignorant and that's not to say that we aren't ignorant at times inadvertently but i'm saying when we purposely harden our hearts that our hearts end up turning into a sour thing that god uh is displeased by okay so that was a good simple one to start with let's let's move on uh the next three verses so this is this is something interesting i i want to point out for those i think and you're going to be going into counseling psychology and some people that are going to study uh, human nature or sociology um, what I want to point out is, and this is an, an un uncomfortable sort of transition. So they start off here, and again, this is Brother Gary's interpretation of it, having lost all sensitivity. And what I what I would conclude is that on my study from this this passage in particular, when we lose sensitivity to other people, and also to our own selves, and and one way that could happen is that I stop being nice to my wife or being kind to my wife or. If Jimmy or Solia or Brother Howard emails me, I wait two months to contact them back. That's not okay, right? So so when I lose sensitivity to not only myself in terms of what I'm doing, but when I'm no longer sensitive to what other people need and want from me, then um, what I would say is that people are giving themselves over to sensuality. And it doesn't have to mean congregation sexually. It could mean overeating. It could mean isolating. It could mean uh, being depressed and staying in bed all day. And so later on in that verse, we say that they indulge in every kind of impurity. And you don't have to engage in all 75 addictive and substance-related behaviors. What I'm suggesting is that, again, back to the previous verse, if our heart's not in the right place, then we are prone to ignorance and hardening. And therefore, um, I, I think it's no accident that uh, the author of this book concludes that it's greedy. So we're not sensitive to ourselves and other people. And as a result, we become greedy with our own hearts. Okay, Can you guys see how the math may make sense for the most part? Um, and so I want us to think in particular, this one's a, a difficult one to swallow for some of us because we either have not figured out um, how to be both sensitive to other people as well as our own needs. And that's okay. That's something you could work out with, uh, you know, solely if you're in youth group, like figuring out boundaries and good stuff like that. But it's when we give up being sensitive to other people and ourselves, especially and we give ourselves over to uh, behaviors that get up, get us into deep trouble. And as a result, we become greedy. Okay. Uh, moving on. So this one in particular, verses 22 to 24. And again, there's this whole notion of um, if you guys all have your favorite uh, outfits every day, like I like to wear my favorite outfit, which is all spur stuff at least once a week. But that also means that I've got to switch out the other outfits. Um, and certain days of the week, uh, particularly Monday, I don't want to wear any sort of work clothes. I just want to be in my PJs all day, which is not okay. But um, so with regard to your former way of life, and so in, in yellow, I put here to put off your old self. Let me ask the congregation, adults and and uh, young adults as well. Um, 
is there any way to consider that putting off our old selves, we could still make mistakes? I'm asking a leading question here. If we're trying to put off our old selves and it's in yellow here, could that be a work in progress for us? And what, what might that look like? Let me ask Brother Jimmy, what do you think this means for you? Uh, uh, let's say this. Let's say I my old stuff, the old self. Let's say I don't usually sleep until 1 a.m. in the morning. However, after meeting with the doctor doctor said no five hours sleep is not good for you so you need to take care of yourself and i mean not only for you also for your family members as well so i start improving a little bit not 1 a.m maybe 12 a.m mm -hmm. so just uh, gradually yeah hopefully can change that yellow to green yeah, yeah. That was a that was a wonderful example. So you guys probably do this every week. Wonderful, brother Jimmy. For my students on the call, um, you bet every Monday through Thursday night you're probably like go to bed by ten, wake up by six thirty or so, have breakfast or have your uh, have your uh, shake, protein shake, and then jump onto the Zoom calls or go to class, right? And so what brother Jimmy hints at is that there's certain days where if you constantly go to bed, and and I do work with children where they're going to bed at at midnight or two a.m. Uh, to expect them to go to bed by 9 p.m. the next night, it's almost impossible. But and so there, there's a sort of this idea of if I even for four nights a week that I go to bed at 11 p.m. and I wake up at seven, you still get your eight hours of sleep at night. Right. And then on the weekend, if you wanted to go uh, eventually when things open up, if you know, if the youth group does a movie day or if uh, if your family wants to go have dim sum, then you could kind of, you know, uh, you could sleep late and then wake up at 9:30 and just roll out to dim sum and, and have your have your meal right there, right? So there's this idea that that we are not completely changing because it creates this false expectation of changing completely and permanently by the next day, and instead to sort of consider that, well, I'll just share with you guys as a congregation one of my biggest things that I'm stubborn at um, is is around my time management. The same thing that Brother Jimmy mentioned. Um, I want to be able to watch football during football season every Sunday. And so what God has done, and God is way smarter than I am, has said, okay, well, then your entire fall is going to be doing like preaching and uh, preparing for classes, right? And so it's been a battle between me and God, and God always wins. And it's it's and he's always looking out for my best interest. And so, um, so it doesn't have to look like it's clean, like the way that uh, Brother Jimmy described. Sometimes it could be us fighting with God. Sometimes it could be us having a long talk with Sister Asolia or Brother Howard or Brother Jimmy. And like, this is what I want, but this is not what I'm getting. And so some of this is I'm sort of strongly hinting you relying on your, your church leaders to sort of provide some of the guidance for us. And then in the meantime, you're working towards this green, which is to put on the new self. So again, it's, it's, it sort of looks like if we're talking about outfits or clothing outfits, you can try on 19 outfits and eventually you're going to settle on a 20th that works for you. But in the meantime, we had to try out those 19 to figure out 
that I'm not supposed to pair together pink and purple or silver and yellow, you know, that, that sort of thing, right? And so that that's what I'm want to, wanting to point out for especially the younger people in the congregation. You don't have to get it right every time or even the first time. But if we can, in our heart of hearts, sort of figure out, God, I want to get better at this. Sister Asole, can you help me with this, with my attitude or with my uh, something to study or a book idea? Or Brother Jimmy, can you model for me what it's like to work at House uh, at the Church of Grace or the, the Grace Baptist Church and model for me how to you know do do the right ministry there? I think let's not be afraid to ask. Okay. Um, moving on in verses twenty-five to twenty-seven. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. And then, uh, for we are all members of one body. So in the last 14 months, who has been our neighbor? The person on the box next to us, right? Or the person on the other end of the Zoom call. Uh, so this is more for when things get uh, different, you know, when, when things hopefully open back up a little bit, uh, little by little. And so we'll have to identify who is our neighbor. And I think that's where you go to God directly. Who is it that I'm supposed to be ministering to? Who is it that I'm supposed to be uh, connecting with? And we'll come up with ideas as a congregation in a little bit. But my hope is that in our in our wisdom that's given from God, uh, we'll figure this out. So the idea is that we put off falsehood, meaning whether it is, um, you know, in my dialect of Chinese, there's a phrase where it translates to saying three things, but meaning four things. And so we're not supposed to be sort of talking. We call it neck talk in my in my line of work. Uh, but instead speaking truthfully to the person that we love and that we are uh, meant to be around. And then because we're all members of one body um, and we'll get to, you know, the, the, your big toe, everyone sort of wiggle your big toe right now uh, privately. Um, if we didn't have that big toe, we'd have no balance and we'd fall over. And yet the big toe is only about this big. Some of you guys, it's like this big, but for mine, it's like this big. And yet this little thing that if we don't have it in the, in the body, will really damage our our um, damage our balance and our ability to walk. Okay, and in your anger, do not sin. Do not do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So, again, probably enough data for a different sermon from a from a different person, but we all know this from Star Wars, right? Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering leads to weird plots, you know, in terms of the most recent Star Wars. But in other words, anger leads to destruction, and uh, in, in, in the Star Wars universe, right? And it's, it's something they probably borrowed from scriptures, but won't give credit to God for. And so anger essentially leads to giving the devil a foothold. Okay. And of course, my most colorful slide. Uh, so anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up uh, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So probably for the more nerdy people on the call, what I want to point out is there's definitely a parallel between please stop doing this. And if you work on doing something that helps others, then it benefits others. So it, it does look like what, um, you know, what Paul was describing here was that we are, we are supposed to be helping others, right? So there's, there's no uh, excuse for any of the 15 of us as Christians to be selfish with our time and our resources and yet specifically here, it's we can't steal. And does stealing have to mean go to Lowe's or Office Depot and steal stuff, congregation? What do you think What do you think I'm trying to say here? Does it mean we're stealing stuff from other people, specifically? 
I'm saying not necessarily. I'm saying we could be stealing time from our parents. We could be stealing time from our school responsibilities. We could be over-borrowing uh, our friends' time by making them play video games too late. And so the idea here is that we do something with our own hands and make something out of it so that we can share with those in need. Okay, And we do that with food. We do, the, we, we do great with that with food. But I think the real sort of mean potato, so to speak, no pun intended, is in the next part, which is do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Um, for the married people on the call, which I think is just me and, and Howard and, and Jimmy, you want to take a guess as to how many uh, positive, positive comments to every negative comment ratio to help build healthy marriages. So to have a healthy marriage, there's a ratio of positive statements to negative statements. And what do you think that is, guys? Take a guess. Or Solia too. I mean, whoever whoever wants to speak up. Definitely probably weighted on one of them okay. more heavily. Okay. 10 to one. 10 to one, okay. Uh, you, you guys are both close. So everyone in this congregation, five to one, okay. So I might say five wonderful things to my wife, like she's a great cook, uh, she's always sweet to me, uh, very humorous, right? But the one time I say, um, you know, your outfit stinks, right? She's gonna remember that because of the, the way the brain remembers pain and, and sorrow, she's gonna remember the one time that I had made fun of her clothing, okay? So, so I'm saying even, uh, I know this is for couples, but even in the church, if we're saying just junk that comes out of our mouth, you can imagine what the math looks like if I keep on talking mess to Brother Howard or Brother Zach. If I say, you know, Brother Zach, your reading was wrong, he's going to remember that this guest speaker made fun of him, right? Or if I if I talk to, uh, you know, Sister Ann or whoever, like, and if I say, you know, hey, you could have done better, just remember that five to one in, five to one ratio in your head. And most of us are already sensitive to the negative commentary. And so what I'm saying is that the unwholesome talk doesn't have to be like avoid unwholesome talk, but in terms of trying to build up others, uh, we need to get in the habit of saying, thank you, Brother Howard, for keeping us together. Thank you, Brother Jimmy, for the opportunity to minister. Um, thank you, siblings, for not destroying my room. Uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for having food on the table all the time. So I think the idea is that we increase the gratitude by having uh, those five positive comments. But you, if you just run a, a stream of negative comments, uh, you really can damage a relationship or a friendship. Okay? And then last part of the, the passage, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Again, a continuation of the past couple of verses, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So. This last sort of bookend of the passage, um, probably again for a different speaker, but it's this idea that I need to forgive, you know, uh, Brother Jimmy for doing this to me because Christ forgave you. That is one of the hardest concepts in the Christian faith to not even uh, master, but just to get right once or twice. So, so I want us thinking about this particular part in the green. If we are kind and compassionate to one another, um, then you really decrease the opportunities where you guys upset each other. And I think that's where sort of uh, in closing um, that that's for this passage, that's where I want to leave off. Okay. Um, so jumping ahead, this is something that I think if, if you take anything away from today's sermon, um, 
I want us understanding this component. Don't raise your hands, everybody, but if, how many of our parents do this? Don't do this, or don't do this, or avoid this, or don't do that. And what I will say, I'll just admit, my entire childhood was don't do this, don't do that, stop this, uh, avoid fatty foods, don't, you know, stop watching TV late. Um, and so a couple of things on that, right? So, and then these, these points in yellow will be something I hope hits home for some of you. We already have a natural tendency to not listen and do what we want to do. And and in, in Christian circles, we call that sin or rebellion, okay? More importantly, if I do all these do nots, like if I follow all these rules, don't do this, don't do that. Um, there was even a Christian song a long, long time ago in the 90s about that, that somehow it'll guarantee that we will make the right decision by default. And I'm saying I'm here today as Brother Gary to squash that. There's no way to not do things and then stumble onto the right thing. That is simply not how uh, education works. Like if I, if I was teaching your algebra class and I said, don't, uh, don't mess up the quadratic equation, that you will not automatically know that, uh, and I'm trying to remember the equation for it, for ax squared plus bx plus c equals something. So uh, I, I know I haven't done that for 30 plus years, but there's no way that if we don't do these things or avoid these things that by default we will end up in the right decision. Does that make sense to everyone? If I tell you that to get to um, to Mountain uh, to Mountain View, that just avoid going to Gilroy, you're not going to figure out how to go to Mountain View. Okay, so I just want to highlight that for us as a congregation. And there's a small possibility that just avoiding or not doing things is ultimately boring and ultimately not sustainable. And so that that's these are points I want to hammer home for us as a as brothers and sisters. All right. And going back to the earlier point, we receive more positive reinforcement. That is just the psych term for blessings and meaningfulness by passing on God's love to others than the obedience of his laws. And so this is sort of an idea maybe for Solio for Brother Jimmy in terms of a Galatian study. But clearly we know that the law causes us to, you know, fall short. And, and that, that's sort of what's covered in Galatians 3 and 4. And so if we focus more on passing on God's love and experiencing God's love, I really do believe that the Christian life doesn't become as boring and sort of rote and and following things. Okay, But a lot of this has to do with sort of what our culture does sometimes, which is don't do this, avoid that, don't go in there. And somehow, and I know I, you know, parents are struggling and parents uh, deserve to get the benefit of the doubt, but I'm just speaking truthfully to the point that we don't stumble onto things by avoiding things. You cannot get to LA by avoiding the... Um, you know, you can't get to L.A. by avoiding going to Portland and Seattle. You actually have to go in a direction to get to L.A. Does that make sense to everyone on the call? I know some people don't have their video on, but I'm hoping it makes sense for you guys. And just like with our friend Yoda here, do or do not, there is no try. So uh, really, I want us getting out of this habit of, as Christians, well, don't, don't do this. Don't do that. And somehow expecting the person will figure things out. Uh, because that's simply not how our education works. That's not how most of life lessons work, ultimately. It's usually someone coming alongside you like one of your church leaders and elders and working with, with us, okay? Um, and so sort of the do not, so I, I, the way that uh, my mom would say do not sounded like do, donut, you know, donut, you know, do this, donut, do that. So, um, so this is a blueprint, right? I have to acknowledge that this is a blueprint that, that Paul wanted for, for the church uh, you know, in Ephesus, right? So do not sin in your anger. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's five donuts. Okay, five donuts would pretty much put us all asleep, right? And yet, but what do we, you know, what do we do then? If 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 you're trying to preach this, brother Gary, what do you want us to do then? If we're saying we just can't do not do these things, all right? And so, in closing, I want us to do a brief exercise together as a congregation. And so, I want everyone, if they could, feel comfortable doing so. Take yourselves off of mute. And so we're going to go to the passage together and take all the green things. Remember the stuff that's outlined in green. And I want to see if we can come up with something that the church can do uh, to, to address these things. And so I'll, I'll start off with an easy one because we're already doing these things. Um, and, and verses 17 and 18, if we're trying to do the life of God, what is one thing that we're doing every Saturday and Sunday congregation? La Vida. What's that? Oh, I, I didn't hear you. Whoever spoke up. I think it was just background noise. Oh, okay. Okay. So what are we doing every Saturday and Sunday, brothers and sisters? Fellowshipping. Fellowshipping. We're, we're going to service. You're in a service right now, everybody. It's sort of like the, the matrix, right? So you're we're already doing this thing in terms of um, living out the life of God by being together Sunday mornings. And like uh, you guys have guest speakers coming up through the next couple of months. Like every time a guest speaker comes in or a solia preaches or any of the brothers, uh, elders preach, you're doing this thing. We're doing it, congregation. All right, harder stuff. All right, sensitivity. So in, in verses 19 to 21, I'm, I sort of define sensitivity as sensitivity to others. What could be something we do as a congregation or as a fellowship to be sensitive to others? I know the hamster wheels are going. So what's, what's something we could do either as individual Christians or as a fellowship to be sensitive to others? One thing we can't do is unmute and turn our cameras on <laughs> and be engaged in the conversation. I think uh, one thing, um, and this is the last, I'm not going to talk anymore after this, but sensitive, uh, one way we can be sensitive is just by asking how each of us are doing to kind of gauge like what the feelings of some people are. Oh, thank you, Zach. Zach, my man. And, um, yeah, being engaged in each other's lives and just knowing how people are doing. And if they're not doing great, being sensitive to that. Um, yeah. But, you know, being informed is asking the question first. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one, you know, my wife Emily complains that I don't communicate uh, sometimes. And so one of the basic things we could do as a congregation, and I'll, I'll sort of, if I can access the chat, but, you know, if, um, if I can be somewhat glib here, as a congregation, what are the three words we could ask in any texting or messaging, or I'm sure you guys are on group text for the youth group. Like what's, what are three words we could put together to make sure that I'm, I'm checking up on you? Anyone want to take a guess? I wish I had prizes to give, but if I were when we meet in person, I'll, I'll have prizes, but like, um, 
Yeah, and wonderful, right? Even if you want to go like, if you want to go shorthand, right? Eight letters, you doing okay? <laughs> Most of us, we wouldn't respond with like, uh, you know, or, right? Most of us, if, if we're honest with ourselves, if we ask, how are you doing? I'm sleepy. Or this scary guy is boring, right? Or something like that, right? So I'm saying if we ask uh, if, if you're doing okay, most of us will respond like, I'm, I'm all right, I'm okay, right? And so we're building sort of these connection, connective tissues with each other by doing that. Okay, so we're gonna fly through the rest of these. Thank you, those who turn on the camera. Uh, verses 22 to 24, to put on the new self. What could be a way that we put on the new self that we could start tomorrow doing? Anyone in the congregation? Sleeping. Sleeping on time. Okay, so if, I, if if Brother Howard and myself can commit to getting to bed by 9.45 tonight and sleeping the full eight hours, I think we'd start there, okay? Um, I'll skip 25 to 27 because I have an idea in the next uh, slide. Um, 28 and 29, remember, this was the one that had all the colors on it. Have something to share with others in need and then benefit those who listen. What can we pragmatically or practically do for this? as a congregation. I'll give you one good hint. Let me make sure I can pull it up. Okay. This is my wallet. It's sort of empty like my, my brain is right now, but this is my wallet. What's something that we can do to share something with others in need and benefit those who listen? And it doesn't have to be a wallet, by the way. But you're looking for an example of something you can share. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, just like life update or like I don't know news that isn't too depressing. Yeah, I, I love it, Zach. Uh, you know, what type of news is not too depressing? You know, hey, I, I passed all my classes this semester. Uh, I'd be happy for that, right? Um, another example would be, you know, uh, mom and dad gave me, let's say, 50 bucks for my birthday. But you know what? Um, I'll, I'll just spend the 10 on uh, buying more towels for, you know, uh, Grace Baptist this weekend. So so I'm saying we could sort of make this count for, for ourselves. And um, in my case, you know, uh, my wife and I have been in the habit of, of supporting people in the past. And sometimes we don't get back our investment, but really we see it as like kingdom giving. We're giving to God by supporting this person briefly. And so, um, yeah, wonderful. Uh, so Bible and money, right? Can we, uh, you know, someone, you know, that is lonely in the congregation, this is a strong hint. Can we do a Bible study together online? Yes, we can. Okay, we certainly can, right? And then be kind and compassionate with one another and forgiving one another. Um, and I think we'll get to the next next slide. It'll make sense for you guys, right? So this is sort of Gary's ideas, Brother Gary's idea. Um, what I would argue is, again, I'm both a psychologist and a sociologist. So um, we have this epidemic of loneliness that's happening societally. And uh, one example I would have is if we ask ourselves, do we have more than one close friend? And I'm not going to ask anyone, anyone to raise their hands. Most of us don't have that right now. And some of it is we can blame on COVID, but even before COVID, um, if we can't say we have at least two close friends, people that we can rely on, um, 
it's concerning, right? And so if we can think about the loneliness epidemic as a cancer or a diabetes, those are treatable, but they're also not where they go away instantly. And so you can think about it as like ongoing treatment to prevent the loneliness from like flaring up, right? Um, so if you, if you can think about it again earlier, I said the church body is only as healthy as its pinky toe, which is the little toe, um, or the earlobe and kneecap need tending to as well, all right? Um, for the older folks in the room or the more mature people in the room, uh, more adult members committing to discipleship post-COVID. I know we're all busy. I know we're all eventually have to gonna go back into work at some point. And yet if we can focus on discipling one young human that's the same gender as us, I think we can make an impact that's far more reaching than perhaps inviting some random guy named Brother Gary to, to come in once every couple months. I really do believe that if, if uh, the older adults can commit to focusing on one younger human, and especially for the discipleship, you don't have to be older than 30. Uh, some, of the, some of the more mature people in the youth group, um, if you can be a better brother or sister to your younger sibling, you are doing God's work. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. You're, you're committing to doing God's work by discipling or uplifting these tiny humans that are around us, okay? And then last opportunity is uh, to minister together, caring at local homeless shelters and soup kitchens. I gave us only another idea offline about uh, another potential group you guys could help out. And then uh, the church I'm speaking at in two weeks, they're supposed to do this basketball tournament since last year. And so my hope is that they get to do that again. And so in your church may not love basketball, but I'm sure there's other things that you guys could do, do together to bring people together back, you know, safely in public again. And so um, all things said, I'm going to unshare right now. I, I just want us thinking about, again, that this has been the roughest 12 months for some, for many of you. I know those of you, those of you who are not, uh, you know, showing your face directly or, or revealing, um, you know, your faces or chatting. And so what I want to want to encourage you guys as brothers and sisters of mine is sort of look at this, you know, uh, I think uh, Sister Solia or Brother Jimmy can share with you guys the PowerPoint. I want us maybe looking at this passage. Is there something that God's trying to teach us during this time? And um, if we're lonely and we're struggling, it's probably to reach out and get, get help. Uh, but if we're doing okay-ish, and okay-ish could look like, you know, you're doing okay four days a week instead of six, um, is to ask God for opportunities to, to minister to others meaningfully. And even just the... Um, you know, back to this, you doing okay? Or do you want to go for a walk together? You know, that sort of stuff, right? There's this togetherness that I think God is imploring, at least on my heart as, as your guest speaker, but I imagine for your hearts as well. It stinks to be lonely. Let me say that again. It stinks to be lonely, congregation. I get lonely, and I'm, I'm with people all day, uh, six days a week. And yet, ultimately, God's you know, opening up his arms and asking us to to accept him and to to, to uh, really sink ourselves into his arms. Um, my my twin niece, when she saw me yesterday, not only grabbed my leg once, she wrapped herself around my leg tightly. Uh, she backed away, looked up at me, smiled, and then ran into my leg and held on for dear life. And so that that's the type of love that I think we are hoping um, as a leadership and myself uh, that you guys approach God and say, like, I really miss having good fellowship with you, God. I need to have you, God, in my life, right? So um, so I think that's a good starting point. Again, sorry to go a little bit longer today, but I, I really wanted to hammer home just how tough it's been for many of us this last year, uh, this last couple of years. And so my hope is that you guys will 
uh, you know, reach out to God more meaningfully, and yet also uh, for for the leaders in the group or the the, the people that pe- where people follow you, um, that you'll find it in your heart through the Holy Spirit's help to minister to other people and to model for the kingdom um, what to do. Right. So, all that said, let me close us in prayer, and then I think uh, uh, Brother Jimmy or Sister Sole will will close us. God, thank you for this congregation. I'm grateful for the opportunities I have gotten to speak to uh, these wonderful youth, as well as the the leadership. I pray that this message would have hit home, that I would have stayed sufficiently out of the way of it. And I pray, Father, most of all, that we we'd never forget you, Father, uh, for loving us, for holding us tight, and for calling us one of your own, Lord, even us Gentiles. We thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen.